0: You ever have a really good idea that sounds super good in theory and then when it actually comes to carrying it out, you're like, whoa, that was more than I realized it was going to be? Some of you might point to the, the spouse in your relationship that bites off more than they can chew when it comes to household projects or something like that, but several months ago when I talked to the guys and we were trying to decide what series we wanted to do to kick off the fall, it seemed like a really good idea to send you all out to ask people why they don't go to church. And I still think it was a good idea, but man, has it resulted in a lot of work because this stuff is heavy. And as I've worked through the series so far, it's been heavy. But I think that's a good thing because I think there's a lot that we have to learn in in this whole thought process. Just to kind of remind you what we're doing in this series, I sent you out and I asked you to ask the people in your lives who don't go to church why That is? What are the reasons that they don't? And a lot of you did that. You went out and you got those answers, and and I really appreciate that. And we've grouped them into these five categories, and what we're doing here is we're addressing those reasons. Now, one thought process was that maybe you might be able to go back to some of those folks who gave you those reasons and invite them to come to church with you. And I know in a lot of cases that's a long shot, but I encourage you to keep trying. Uh, but the second thing that, that, that's a possibility here is that even if they wouldn't accept an invitation to come with you to church, it's possible that they would be willing uh, to, to listen online or to watch the live stream or something like that. And so we encourage you to, to connect them with that, even if they wouldn't invite, uh, accept an invitation to church. Um, and if there's anything else I can do to help get what we're talking about into their hands or into their ears, I'd be happy to do so. I had somebody ask me this week for a manuscript because um, they, they thought someone might read it that wouldn't take the time. Necessary to listen to it. I'm happy to give that to you. Typos and all. You can have the typos and everything because I write my own manuscripts and so there are definitely typos. But several months ago when I sent you out to ask this question, uh, I knew that there were some answers that, that would probably come back. And there were some other answers, some other reasons that I thought might come back. And still more that I didn't expect to hear or if I was honest, that maybe I hoped I wouldn't hear. There, there are some of these reasons that are kind of disheartening, disappointing. But there was one reason that I was sure that I would hear from somebody. I knew at least one person would give this reason, and I was right. It actually ended up being more than one. Because I believe if you start talking about church amongst a group of people, some Christians, some not, some who attend church, some who don't, it's a near certainty that at some point someone will say, well, they really just want your money. That's really all churches do. They just want your money. That's really all they care about. Like I said last week, if someone has that belief, if maybe you have that belief, I don't want to dismiss that because it probably means that at some point you've encountered a church or people who call themselves Christians who actually did make it seem like money was all they cared about, or at least what they cared about the most. And I'm sorry if you had that experience. That should not have happened. And I won't suggest that it doesn't happen because I've seen it. Unfortunately, I've seen it. I've seen churches list non-givers on a bulletin board. That's one of those things that's so sad you almost can't help but just laugh because it's ridiculous. I've heard of churches who don't allow funerals to occur in their facilities because the deceased didn't give or didn't give enough. I've seen churches focus a significantly disproportionate amount of their time and energy on the people who give to the church over the people in their community who need to know Jesus. I've seen it. And it's possible without even realizing that at some point I've been a part of it. But again, if you feel like the church just wants your money, it's probably because you've seen it too. Additionally, I want to remind you, as we said last week, our goal is not to defeat these reasons that we're talking about in this series, but instead to address them, to process them, and to speak truth and love through that processing. And so if you're here this week because someone invited you, or if you're watching online this week because someone invited you, or because this topic was one you wanted to know what we had to say about, whatever the reason, if you're with us for the first time or the 400th time, I'm glad that you're here today, and I hope you'll hear what God has for you to hear today. And I'm hoping that we can give some clarity to what is a fairly common understanding of church, that it is all about the money. And here's the thing. We have offering plates up here. Now, we don't pass the plates in this service, but we do in our other services. We do give you an opportunity to give back in the form of an offering. That's something we do every single Sunday. And some people put cash in that plate and some put a check in there. Some don't do either. Some give online. They'll do so later today. Or some even have it set up Uh, to automatically give online once a week or once a month or twice a month or something like that. And so just so we're up front today, I'm not going to stand up here and say, no, we don't want your money, and then ask for it later via an offering time. But what I want to do is tell you why, why we take up an offering, why we give you opportunities to give back, what that money goes toward, and then discuss where you fit in this whole idea of giving money to the church. Whether you're a, a member of New Life, a believer in Jesus, someone who's still skeptical of this whole thing, or whether you think all of this is malarkey or you're somewhere in between. So we'll start with why. Why do we take up an offering? Well, this book, the Bible, guides everything that we do as a church. We believe that it's the inspired Word of God Himself, and so we take seriously what's written in here. And so one reason that we give an opportunity for people to give back, to give money, is because we believe that God calls us to give back to Him. Now, most people would say, I work hard for my money. I feel like I deserve everything I get. And honestly, some of us, if we were honest, would say, I probably deserve a little more than they pay me, uh, if we were being honest. But we say, I've earned my money. That's my money. I should get to do what I want with it. And there's nothing inherently wrong with saying that. If You work hard for your money. You deserve Your money. There's something satisfying about a hard day's work and the reward that comes with it. There's something satisfying about providing for your family. But stop with me for a moment and consider who gave you the ability to do whatever it is that you do to make money. I believe that God gave you that ability. Consider who gave you the intelligence and the drive and the desire, in a lot of cases, the natural talent and skill to do whatever it is you do. I believe that God gave you that as well. If you look back at the book of Deuteronomy, found in the Old Testament of the Bible in the time of a man named Moses, Moses had been the leader of God's people for a long time. And through a lot of ups and downs, Moses had led them, always relying on God. And so in his old age, as Moses begins the process of handing over leadership of God's people to a younger man named Joshua, Moses leaves God's people with detailed instructions on how they are to live. And it's important at this time because God's people were preparing to cross into a new land, a promised land that God had led them to through so much. And Moses addresses that as we read in Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 6. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water, with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you, and so he describes this land, and he doesn't do it justice, to be honest with you, because it has everything they need, and as we'll read in a moment, it had been a while since these people had had everything they needed, and so Moses makes it clear that they needed to remember that this this new feeling again of having everything they needed, and when they'd eaten their fill, that they need to make sure that they still give God the credit for providing it. He goes on in verse 11. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large, and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors. With an oath. So Moses reminds them of everywhere they had been and that God was the one who had walked them through those situations. That he was the one that walked them through and out of slavery and through the desert. And he fed them when they were hungry and all of these things, that that was God. That even when times were tough, God was still there. And Moses challenges them to remember the Lord their God, for he is the one who gave them everything they had and continued to give them everything they would have, including the power. To be successful and the truth is I don't know what kind of deserts you've been through or maybe what kind of desert you're walking through now but understand that we need to see that same thing we need to see God that same way that God is our provider And beyond that that he gives us what we need to provide for ourselves and for our families and even for other people and it's important that even in the midst of plenty, even when we're in times of success, it's important that we don't lose sight of the fact that it is still God who provides. And so our response to understanding that provision from God is to give back to Him. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to Christians about supporting the work being done for God, work being done in the name of Jesus, and doing so specifically financially. Financially. In this particular case, as he's writing, it was about how the Christians at Corinth could support other Christians in Jerusalem. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning verse 1. Now, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and try to collect it all at once. And this idea of setting aside a portion... Of what you earn for the work of God, it actually originated in the Old Testament, in Old Testament times. Often associated with festivals, God would ask his people to give the first fruits of the grain harvest and to give the best of their livestock. Again, we're talking about setting aside a portion of what you've earned and giving it to God. And Paul expounds upon the power of what that giving can do in his second letter to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. He writes, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. And so Paul points to the church at Macedonia, the Christians at Macedonia, as an example, who, though they themselves had very little, insisted on giving and giving and giving to support the work that God was doing through Christians in Jerusalem. Specifically, they exceeded any expectation Paul had for them. Paul figured, you know what, I know they're generous, I'm sure that they'll give some, but they exceeded that despite the fact that they had... Very little. Paul then continues. So we've urged Titus to encourage your giving in the first place, to return to you encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Paul points to God's example that when he sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins, Jesus gave up everything for our sake. He was the perfect example of what it looks like to give and to do so sacrificially. And then Paul leaves them with this, beginning in verse 10, here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the Scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. And it once again comes down to this understanding that what we have is from God, and our response is giving some of that back to Him. And when we have plenty, we can give even more and provide maybe for others who who are in a, a lean season that it's not about necessarily the amount you give, but the fact that you respond to God's provision by giving back. That's, that's why we give you an opportunity to give. That's why. The second question then is, where does that money go? Well, when we collect money as a church, as a congregation, it goes to the work of God. Specifically, it goes to the ministry of New Life Christian Church, which is a ministry that serves God. Everything that we do as a church, our ministries, our services, our special events, our outreach events, our community projects, even our physical location, all of these things only happen because of our giving. Beyond that, our regular financial support of local partners like CCAP and Abacare and Corals Elementary and more, those things only happen because of our giving. Beyond that, our, our other, uh, other local and, and regional and, and domestic partners like Cedar Creek Christian Camp and Johnson University, and our good friend Justin May with Christian Student Fellowship at James Madison University, and more. Those partnerships are only, are only possible because of our giving. And our international mission partners, like Pioneer Bible Translators with Joe Wilson, and Christian Missionary Fellowship with the Hoke family in West Africa, and Central India Christian Mission, and the CORE Foundation in Haiti, and more, those are only possible because of our giving. We're able to be a part of what God is doing both here in our community and beyond that all around the world, all because of our giving. That's why we've been trying to to be more intentional lately about getting information in front of you about what these organizations and these ministries are doing, what God is doing in these places, and how your generous giving is a part of that. That's why when Ken and Anita Hoke are home on furlough, we love to give them significant time to share with you. That's why we've recently brought in Justin May from James Madison University. That's why we've recently brought in Joe Wilson with Pioneer Bible Translators. Because we believe strongly in what they are doing for God and what God is doing through them, and we are a part of that. You are giving. See, when you give, your gift goes to work that God is doing That's the goal. That's what we do with the money. The elephant in the room is one I won't just skim over today because this topic is too important. And I know for some of you that might think the church just wants your money, this might be one of your specific questions. For some of you that have folks in your life who have this question or that think that the, the church just wants your money, they might have this specific question. So I'll answer it. Yes, I receive a paycheck. I receive a paycheck. As the lead pastor of New Life Christian Church, some of the money that we get goes to staff salaries. And I'm not going to get into a big dispense of paying staff, but I do want you to know that I don't take lightly the blessing that that is for me. And I want you to understand that in two pieces. First, that it's biblical, but more importantly, what your generosity allows me to do. Again, in 1 Corinthians, as Paul writes about the Old Testament standards for those who worked in God's temple, he writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, In verse 13, he says, Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple, and those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. And so supporting those who lead in the work of God is biblical, but more important for today's purposes. I want you to understand what it allows me to do. Because of your generous giving, I can give as much time as I need to to serving our congregation, our community, and beyond. I don't have another nine-to-five that keeps me away and unavailable. Because of your generous giving, I can literally be at a hospital or a funeral home or your house or anywhere I'm needed pretty much any day and time. We get middle-of-the-night phone calls. As you know, tragedies and crises and emergencies, they don't schedule themselves during daylight hours only, and they don't respect anyone's need for sleep. Because of your generosity, when I'm with someone who needs me and away from my family, I can take extra time with my family another day. Basically, your generosity, your support of me as your pastor allows me to focus on serving God above basically everything else. And I cannot imagine trying to serve God the way I do without that support. So don't think that I take it lightly. I don't. So yes, I receive a paycheck, but understand that paycheck doesn't go to a fancy house or expensive cars or vacations but instead it allows my family's needs to be met so that I can better serve God and his people. I'm grateful to all of you for that every single day. See, ultimately, all of the money that's given goes to the work of God. It's in different forms and in different places and even around the world, but it all goes to God's work. So, Really, the most important question then becomes, where do I fit in? Where do I fit into all of this? Where where is my place in this? What am I supposed to do? What's my response? Well, really, those first two points were informational on the church and money. A reminder for those who believe in God, who follow Jesus and accept the Bible as an authority, that we give to God because God has blessed us, and that we give for the work that God is doing in this world through His people. And these same points are also an explanation for those who don't necessarily believe those same things. That the reason we give, the reason we place importance on it, the reason we take up a collection at all is because of our belief in God and what he's called us to do and what he's doing in the world. So where do you fit in? Well, if you're a believer, I think you need to give, but I want you to consider what God would have you do how God would challenge you to give. I would suggest you pray about it, that you discuss it with your family, that you support new life, sure, but if there are other ministries and missions out there, places and people where God is doing amazing things, you can give to them too. Give and give sacrificially. I know that I'm not challenging you with anything new here, but I want to speak directly to those who might say, who might honestly believe, the church just wants my money. In fact, I want to close today by speaking directly to you, if that's you. And understand that, that even if there's no one here today that actually feels that way, there are people in all of our lives who do, who, who struggle with that, who say, I, I think they're all about the money. I want to speak directly to those folks right now and say this, I, I actually don't want your money. I don't. The church, it doesn't want your money. There are offering plates up here. When we pass the trays in our other services and I don't want you to feel a bit of pressure to put anything in there. You're welcome to. I don't want to say no, your money's no good here or something cheesy like that, but I mean it when I say I don't, I don't really want you to feel like you need to give. I don't want your money, and you're not, I'm not going to ask for it. And if you come back next week, and I really hope you'll consider coming back next week, I'm not going to ask for it again. I'm not going to. Offering the time that we give back, it's not some sort of fee that you pay for coming to church. Some people get it mixed up in that way. But it's nothing like that. You're welcome here as often as you want to come, no pressure, no expectation. But if at some point you decide that you do believe what we believe about God, about Jesus, about His Word, then we can have a different conversation. Because as I said a moment ago, we do believe that God calls us to give back to Him. But one thing that all of the passages we've read today have in common, whether you believe that the words written there or the people who wrote them have any authority at all, you can still see that the one thing they all have in common is that those passages about giving back to God are directed to those who believe in Him. Those passages about supporting churches and supporting the work of God, they're directed toward Christians. And so if you don't believe in God, if you're not trying to follow Jesus because you're not sure he's worth following, I don't expect you to fall in line with what Scripture says. I don't expect you to do what Paul wrote you should do or what anyone wrote about giving back to God. In fact, if you're not sure what you believe about God, if you're just checking things out, I wouldn't blame you for not having the desire to give it. And I wouldn't blame you for probably feeling like churches only want your money. But understand that for us, we believe that giving is our response to God. Hear me clearly. I also don't want you here so that eventually I can convince you to follow God, so eventually I can convince you to give. Personally, I think if you get to the point where you believe in God and where you understand that all you have is a gift from Him, that He's your provider, I think you'll find it hard not to give back to Him. I think true giving is that response to God, not because a preacher told you, not even because it's written in Scripture, but because you understand all that God has blessed you with. But understand that I care a whole lot more about your soul than I do about your wallet or your checkbook. You don't have to just take my word for it. I think if you hang around, if you give us some time, give us a chance, you'll realize I'm not just blowing smoke when I say that. See, I understand that some people feel like churches are all about the money. I can tell you that we're not. But we're also not ignorant to the things that money can do to make a difference in this world. Money can feed the hungry. Money can clothe the poor and care for the sick and find homes for the orphans and care for the widows and build shelters and houses. Money has All sorts of power in this world. On some level, money can give us hope. Money is a thing that can lead to actual hope in a life that seems hopeless sometimes, for people who seem hopeless sometimes. Those are the things we try to do with the money that God blesses us with as a congregation. That's the goal to make a difference with it, to give hope with it, to point people to God with it. But we don't want your money. Unless you're confident that God needs it. We don't want your money unless you're confident that we'll use it for God's glory. We don't want your money unless you understand that all you have is from God in the first place. Because when we come to know that all we have is from God, giving back to Him is the best and really the natural response. Before you can ever come to that conclusion, and it's a conclusion you have to come to on your own, But before you can ever come to that conclusion, you have to hear what God has really done for you. God gave you life. The life you have is a gift from God. And beyond that, God loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to walk this earth as a man, to do so without sinning, and then to take the punishment that you and I deserve for the sins that we've committed. Jesus died for those sins. He died for us and he rose again from the dead and because of that, we have a hope beyond this life, a promise of eternity with God in a place with no pain and no sorrow and no struggle. God did that for you and for me. And beyond any of the misunderstandings about what church is really about, and I'm telling you there are a lot of them. There are a lot of misunderstandings of what church is about and we've caused most of them. And beyond... Any misconception about things like money, and there's a lot of those out there too when it comes to the church. And beyond the failings that we as Christians have been guilty of that reflect poorly on the God we serve and the Jesus we want you to know, above anything else I could tell you, I simply want you to know today and every day that God loves you. And if at some point you want to have a conversation about that, you'd be open to a conversation about that, I would love to have that conversation with you. Because my understanding of what God did for me changed my life. And he did those same things for you. And I would love to tell you about it because you matter to God and you matter to me. Now I know that that little spiel there, it probably didn't tell you anything you didn't already know. Maybe it did. I hope it did. But I can tell you this for sure. Every single one of us has people in our lives who, who who don't know that who don't believe that, who may not believe that anybody loves them, let alone the God of the universe, who may feel like no one's ever done anything for them, that nobody's ever given up anything for them, let alone the kind of sacrifice that God made for us. See, so many things get in the way of our ability to, to, to point people to God, to introduce people to Jesus. So many of them are just, just that. They're just in the way. And we get caught up talking about things like the church only wants my money. Which is, listen, we don't need a dime. We just want the chance to say God loves you. God loves you so much. He made a way for, for you to be with him for eternity. That, that's all that really matters. That's what the people in our lives need to know. Somewhere along the line, somebody's made them believe that it's about money, or it's about status, or it's about being part of the club, or whatever it is. It's really about God's love. It's really about that sacrifice. That's the message we have. That's the message we have to share. It's too important. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us that much. God, I pray that you would give us the words and the actions to communicate that. Because so often we do a poor job. And so, God, I pray that we could help people understand that your love for them is truly greater than any reason they might have to keep their distance from you. And God, if we can start a conversation, if we, can, if we can even just begin to, I pray that their hearts would be open just a little bit because we believe you can do amazing things with a heart that's even just open that small amount. God, that you can go to work. God, you, you've changed our lives. so We believe that you can change the lives of the people around us who need to know you. God, help us to do our part to make the introduction. And God, we are thankful for the opportunity we have to give back. But I pray that we only do so for your work, for your purpose, for your glory. Thank you for entrusting us with the resources we have, for for giving us all that you give us. I pray that we would give back to you to make a difference in this world and a difference in lives for eternity. And most of all, thank you again for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.